This is a shock podcast. Hello, gladiators in suits. This is Jonathan. Hi, everyone. This is Jed. And welcome to episode 12 of From Grit to Great podcast. Jed, how Hi. are you? You are sick. I could tell. I am so feeling under the weather right now. I So I have cough. I have colds. I feel a bit feverish, although Uh-oh. my temperature isn't high. I already took antigen and PCR tests for COVID, so I am negative. This is likely flu, or we'll see in the next five days because the doctor already asked me to do an x-ray, which is clear. I'm taking some cough, colds, and fever medicines right now. So wish me the best in the next five days that I do well, because I'm going to have a marathon of webinars in a few oh, days as well. No. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm you try- can, I will be better soon in the next few days. Hopefully, I'm sniffing right now, but I'm still good. I, I can totally do this podcast with no <laughs> difficulty. I promise you that I'm not exerting any extra effort here. I just feel not my regular self that I know that I can't go to the gym, which is my litmus test if oh, I'm feeling right, well. Right. Okay. Okay. Discovery time. Can you be the first one to share your discovery for the week? Sure. Okay. So my discovery, not a discovery of the, the past seven days, but it's more of something that I want to share. So my discovery is something that I have been using for quite a while now. You know, I love music and I love listening to global global music from Europe, from Africa, from Japan, from Asia. And I love that Spotify has got that good plethora of music all over the world. But there's one that I really love. It's a website called radio.garden. Have you heard about that? I, I thought you were going to say radio.fm because that's like a decade ago. What is this? <laughs> so it's, it's a <laughs> website called www.radio.garden. So when you go to that website, it's like Google Earth. It shows you the globe and you could rotate it with your mouse cursor. Okay. And on the globe, you see little dots. The little dots represent radio towers all over the world. This includes radio. Uh, so you can basically just listen to different radio stations around the world. All over the world. And the good thing about it is when you choose, for example, a city, say, for example, you want to check out Copenhagen, there would be a list on, on the left side. There's a dashboard on the left side. It will show you the list of top radio stations in Copenhagen. Ah, okay. That's good. At least it gives me which ones should I listen to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think lists of radio stations around the world is not something new. Yeah. I think I've experienced it, but when you break it down to the recommended radio stations, I think it makes a difference. But but also there's the gamification aspect to it because you could scoot the globe left and right. And so you see the geography, the globe itself. And you mm, know what's... The, the visualization. But, yes, yes, it's there. And also, one fascinating part about this is that you could hear airport tower station conversations as well. Ah, okay. Now you're talking. So yeah. that's really a good one. So interesting. You could, you could hear pilots and all the uh, tower wait, people. Wait. You know, as someone who worked for aviation, I didn't mm-hmm. know that this was available public. Like you can really listen to conversations. Yeah, I know. I, it, it's weird, but yeah, it does that. So the other day I was listening to Tokyo stations and then I'm just suddenly, I'm just in Haneda airport. 
Interesting. I yeah. think they can't make it private because if they're using different radio stations and frequencies, there's no way to make it private, I guess. Yeah. That's why you can he- listen to it publicly. Yep. Interesting. What about you? My discovery has something to do with books. Okay. I'm trying to look at my dashboard, my, how they call this, because I didn't come prepared with the discovery, but then I, I saw some books and I saw my book because I'm currently writing my fourth book, which we are Ooh. about to publish. This December 2022, finally, after four years, I get to be able to publish because I think we have finally settled down from the pandemic by then. And right. so I will be able to finally launch my fourth book. My This is not a good discovery as well, but I think it's a discovery for some people. Do you know that you cannot just easily publish a book by choice? Meaning if you want to publish a book, there's a code, which is the ISBN code, and you have to register it to the public national library of your country. Otherwise, it will not be codified. It can be included in any library, but there will not be... The, the point is, if you don't have an ISBN number, you cannot be included in the systematization of the book with the rest of the library for the rest of the world. Have you heard about this, by the way? Like, no, no. So if you look at the back part of the book, there's like this barcode. Uh, the, the ISBN, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the ISBN. So what we need to do is I need to create an ISBN number. I need to get it from the National Public Library of the Philippines. And then when I get that ISBN number, I have to go to the internet and create a barcode do it, put it into the draft of the book's cover and have it printed. So if you don't have that, you're not technically legit and bookstores will not necessarily want to sell your books. Right. Technically, you can publish any book with a cover, with some paper, but you can't be as legit as you want to be if there is no ISBN number. So there, information for those who want to publish books in the future, because I think a lot of people are into doing their own, self-publishing their own work Mm -hmm. lately. Mm -hmm. Jet, let's talk about a topic to Today that I think we often talk about every time we have dinners, yes. every time we catch up with each other. And that is about Kuya, who yes, Jed calls me as big brother. How do you make this thing faster? How do you do X, Y, and Z? And it's about productivity. So today's episode is going to be about sharing our favorite productivity hacks about getting things done at work faster, more efficient, and with the least amount of cost. So what Jed and I are going to do is we'll take turns. Are you okay with that, Jed? Jed, We'll share our favorite hacks about productivity. And then you guys decide. Let us know which ones have you been doing already and which ones have you tried, but not necessarily worked out for you. We would love to know that. So I'll first start with one of my most favorite techniques, and it's called the chunking technique. Have you heard about this, Jed? Chunking no. technique. It seems like it's more for those who want to get big in their <laughs> bodybuilding. <laughs> I am not sure if I asked this question. I think I did. I asked this question from you before. How do you eat an elephant? I think I have, right? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Oh. So how do you eat an elephant, which is a quote from Desmond Tutu, a well-known leader from Africa. And obviously we don't eat elephants, but the point is if you want to achieve something so big, you have to break it down into smaller parts. Yep. So how do you eat an elephant? You eat it bit by bit. And the chunking technique goes... To make a big task, a gargantuan task, seem achievable, you have to break it down into smaller parts. So I'll give an example, something that I think we can all relate to. Let's say your company assigned you to be the organizer of your upcoming Christmas party this December, which I assume is a very stressful task. You have the stage, you have the gifts, you have the food, you have the security, you have the venue and all these things. So when we look at the task, it seems like so big. How the hell can I accomplish everything? it's super intimidating, right? 
right? Right. But the way to make it more achievable is to, if I may use the word deceive, deceive your brain to think that it's not just one giant project. Rather, it is composed of multiple projects. So for example, when you have a task about finding and looking for the venue and for the food, consider that as one smaller task and see it as an independent task. So that is task number one. And then consider, for example, inviting people, sending the invitation as task number two. And then you move forward and so on and so forth. Similarly, for other projects, you can also consider it as phase one, phase two, phase three, month number one, month number two, month number three. The point is when you see it into smaller chunks, your brain gets deceived thinking that they are now achievable and mm-hmm. therefore you get inspired accomplishing one task and then you move on to the next. Chunking technique works out well for me. It makes me feel that I can breathe because there is space to breathe in this case. And you know what's good about this technique is that you could celebrate small wins along the way. And I think... I- Celebrating those small wins, like achieving one part of that task is, you know, motivation enough for you to means you have another. Agree. Means you have made one point. Yep. One point for Jonathan, zero points for the world. Exactly. And then you move on with that. Yeah. Okay. How about you, Jed? Right. So this is something that I have been doing in Singapore. Most of the time, I try to start work earlier than my colleagues. So if- Question, what's with Singapore, by the way? Why is this something that you wouldn't do in Japan or in the Philippines? No, I actually do this also in Tokyo. For example, if the work starts at 9, I would come in at like 7 or 7.30. So I have an hour and a half where people are not in the office. You know, this hack, I, I wouldn't call it as a hack. I would call it as like probably a habit or a custom. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's interesting to take note that even if it's so basic to do, not everyone still does this. Yeah. So why I do this is because I want to have a peace of mind where I don't have to deal with everyone asking me questions all the time. Which, by the way, um, disrupts your work. Yeah, it's because the we're in an disruptor. open space, open plan system in, in, in Singapore and in Tokyo. And so I have that one full and a half hours of just putting every single focus on what I am doing without any phone calls, without anybody asking me questions around. Plus, and, at seven o'clock in the morning, I don't think people are sending emails yet. So yeah, you don't get yeah. to be interrupted as well with emails, yes, phone exactly. calls, or WhatsApp it's, messages. It's actually the best time for you to trash out all the emails that you've left the other day, right? And I think that also works in in cities where traffic jams are so heavy. So it's always good to come in earlier so you so you would stay away from rush hours and agree. When you get to the office, you know, you're going to be at calm and at peace. And you're not going to be so flustered because may, of the traffic. May I also add, I think one of the most delicious feelings in the world is it's already 9.30 or 10 o'clock. And, and you feel ac- so productive. Yeah. You, feel, you, you feel like you've accomplished so many so things many already. Things, yeah. And then you see your teammate just popping in into her cube. And there's this like, there's this like, you know, feeling like, huh, I'm already done with my job. Exactly. And people are just arriving. It makes me feel like, okay, I will sound snobbish, but I feel like, you know, you feel like you're above the rest because of that accomplishment. There's one benefit I think that we can all learn and joy from this. Obviously, if you want to start work early, you have to sleep early at night, which means it's going to, unless you're the kind of person, Jed, who sleeps at 2 a.m., but you still get to wake up at 6 (laughs) a.m. But most of the time, I would assume that people, in order for them to wake up early, they have to sleep early at night as well. I think this has a lot of health benefits for reasons such as 
when you get to have more sleep or at least you get to have that sleep that allows you to wake up refreshed the next day, it actually regulates even your appetite. So I learned this from my trainer who I've been training with for many years now. If you didn't sleep well the night before and you only, let's say, only had three or four hours of sleep, the tendency of the body is to produce this hormone called ghrelin and it increases your hunger appetite, making you want to eat more because it's the way for the body to regulate, to compensate for the lack of sleep. Maybe your immunity is going down. So I guess the body is trying to make you want to eat more so you can continue that homeostasis of being healthy. But the point is, if you get to sleep, earlier, it's not just about having good hours of sleep. It's about managing your appetite as well, which I think is very important when it comes to being stressed at work that leads to overeating. May I add my next technique? Jed, before I do this, are you the type of person who, if you hate doing something, you try to do it with something else that you like doing? Can you think of a task that you do in that way? So let's say, for example, you hate cleaning. I remember when you were young, you hate cleaning the house. And whenever you would clean the house, like brushing the floor, sweeping the floor. So remember during that time when you would do it, you would listen to music. Mm -hmm. and, and that's because when we don't like doing something, unless, of course, you really enjoyed, you know, brushing or mopping the floor. But I didn't when I was young. When you don't like doing something we have a tendency to tandem it, to pair it up with something that we also like doing. So for example, I hate washing dishes. I live alone. It's one of the things that I hate doing the most. So what I do is that usually washing dishes will take you 20 minutes. And normally... 20 minutes would also be the amount of time to finish an episode on mm. Netflix for a TV series. So it so, makes it easier for you to actually do what you hate. Exactly. Doing. So there's a term for that. It's called the tandem technique. Hmm. To do something that you hate doing, pair it up with a task that you love doing. So it compensates. So your brain tends to focus more on the part that you like and it goes autopilot mode doing the other thing that you don't like, which I think works. Right. I'm also going to say that tandem technique does not just apply to tasks. It can also apply to people. So for example, if you happen to, you let's say you have to go to the hospital and you don't like hospitals because it reminds you of bad things. So what we do is we pair up asking someone who we like to come with us who serves our security blanket, right? Or let's say you're talking in front of an audience, what we usually do is that we look for that face of a person in the audience who are, we are most familiar with, that we love talking to or we love hanging out with. We tandem our attention to them together with the attention that we have to give to the audience. So that's also kind of technique. It, it, it's not rocket science. It's basic, but a lot of people tend which to... Is, yeah, which is know, we're just not aware and conscious about it, I suppose. That's right. Okay, how about you? Okay, so uh, hack this number is, four. I don't know if it's a hack or, or maybe it's also a habit that I've been doing. When I was working in Singapore, so I actually keep an extra full work attire and some room slippers at my work desk. Okay, wait. I get the slippers because I think you don't want to wear your shoes the entire yeah. time in the office. But what's with the full work attire? So why I do that is because when it's super rainy outside, and I'm commuting when I was in Singapore and in Tokyo, if it's very, very rainy outside, Side and maybe your shoes get seriously uh, wet. Okay. You want to put on new socks.
socks, right? So okay. I keep a pair of socks, a pair of pants in my work desk. So I just change them on when I get back, when you I know, get to the office. When I was starting out and I was riding the public train in Metro Manila, I also did that. But yeah. for many of us, perhaps who don't take the train, I mean, some people do, some people don't, but for some who take a car, that's easy. You know that's what they do? Because they can keep it there. They the can just cars. keep it there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, I don't have my own car. I still commute here in the metro. So I actually... And because cars and taxes are so expensive in Singapore, you yeah, yeah. It's, it's more economical to take the public trains. And also, you know, in my line of work, I am an architect and I've been going down to work sites every single day back then. So it's hot, it's humid, it's very dusty. So when you get back to the office, it, your dress or your, your shirts are super, super wet and stinky. So I have to change to a new shirt when I get By the way, I remember this when my first time to Japan, the first thing that fascinated me in their convenience stores, I don't know if this was in Family Mart or Ah, they sell neckties, white shirts, uh, and even some pants. Pants, like office worker clothes. Socks. It's amazing because they know that there are people who will be needing it because perhaps they didn't go home because they missed the train or they got wet or something. And, 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 you know, the one reason why I actually do that as well is because one time, seriously, my trousers broke off, like the zipper broke off. Uh, Okay. And there was this huge slit. So it's like, what I'm going to do. It sounds like. So I thought from then on, it's like, I need to bring something to replace my trousers shouldn't happen again. But you know, like if there's any country that has so many office productivity hacks and convenience, that would be Japan. Again, we are royally admiring Japan from a distance here. Okay, so that's hack number four. Hack number five, here's my take. I apply what I call as the two minute rule, which is if I don't like doing something, let's say I'm lazy to finish this PowerPoint slide deck for a client. I'm lazy to finish this spreadsheet file because I just don't like it. It's boring. And so I don't start it at all. So we end up procrastinating at the last minute. So one productivity hack that I do, which works always, is that I tell myself, I'm going to give myself two minutes to work on it. Just two minutes. So because two minutes in your mind, it's predictable. You know that it just passes by. So two minutes. So I will work on a PowerPoint slide or a spreadsheet for two minutes and then I will stop. And that's fine. Even if I, you know, even if I only finished a few items in the project, I will stop. And you know why this works? Because there's this effect called the Zigarnik effect. So it was discovered by a Russian psychologist. I forgot her first name, but the surname is Zigarnik effect. Zigarnik, hence the word Zigarnik effect. The idea is the brain has a tendency to remember unfinished items, unfinished memories, and it is obsessed of wanting to complete it. Mm. So that's called the Zigarnik effect. So the idea here is that if you've started on something and you were not able to finish it, the brain will keep on bugging you and say, hey, you were not able to do this. Therefore, please finish it. It's the same effect that I think is in at work every time we don't have closure when things don't get accomplished properly. So let's say, for example, like, you know, a relationship that didn't do well and you were just ghosted by the person, Mm -hmm. a job interview wherein you weren't informed if you got the job, why you didn't get hired for the job, for example, that's called the Garnick effect. So it works for me because if I have a 20 PowerPoint slide deck and I only accomplished one or two, that imprints in my brain that, oh, you already got two slides done. You might as well just finish the rest. And because you have to finish the rest, you've already started it. You already 
already have an idea what needs to happen next, get it done. Taking advantage is called the Zigarnik effect. If I were to spell Z-E-I-G-A, R-N-I-K, Zigarnik effect. Try to Google it. And it's an amazing concept about the brain. Okay, Jed, how about you? Give me your last, because we're down to our last minutes now. Yes, so I think my productivity hack, and I think a lot of people share this hack as well, is I try to nap when I can. But in a lot of agencies, at 12 o'clock during lunch break, they would turn off the lights, they would put on their blindfolds, and they would sleep. Ah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, this this is a culture in Japan, in China, in Korea, in the Northern Asian countries, where it is a must that you turn off the lights during lunch break because for lunch breaks, you basically just eat, take like a rest, and then you sleep. Rule. No, it's not an unspoken rule. It's a habit. It's a cultural thing. Like okay. everyone would have to sleep. And so, you know, when I was working in, in Singapore- Wait, sorry. What if I don't want to sleep? What if I want to- Then I? don't sleep. Then don't sleep. It's fine. But but the okay. thing is, it, the lights are turned off and you would see many people would be sleeping. So you have your own pillows. And then, because I worked in, in Singapore where I dealt with Japanese and Korean contractors. It's the same thing. When I'm stuck in the construction site in the office of the Koreans and the Japanese at lunch breaks, you would see them just sleeping. And, you know, you have, I will have no other choice but to leave the office and then do my own thing. Like have you seen outside. that? Have you seen a viral TikTok video wherein there are these offices in Korea wherein the foldable bed, it's underneath their cabinet drawer. And then they pull out a bed. That I they wouldn't can just be surprised on. that they have those kind of innovations there. <laughs> it's, you have to check it out. It's really amazing. Like I, you would want to sleep in it as well. So speaking of napping, have you ever napped in, in the Philippines? Is something that we do? I, I well, I have not worked in the Philippines, you know, in, in a corporate oh yeah. setting. But in I, my I, I mean, I'm, I'm saying it because in my companies before, I would do it. But it's what it was something that people would either they would make fun of you. Some people would respect you, of course, if you no, do. No. It's usually strictly from twelve o'clock to one o'clock. If you would do it, let's say after one p.m. or early than 12 I think people would call you out and people would start thinking that you're lazy yeah and I mean it's interesting because there are some countries who have started to implement this and saying that napping is a healthy activity yeah. for most folks and it actually boosts the productivity of people it gives them that extra second or third wind for the other half of the day when I was in Japan and I do meetings with an entire table full of Japanese and sleeping and napping during a meeting is quite normal because they think that sleeping means that you are so busy the entire day. And uh, so it's, a, it's a theatric activity. It's a theatric uh, thing. I don't know. I mean, this is just this is just the mentality of people that the, the reason why it's okay for you to take a nap during the meetings. It's because people think that you have been so overworked and they would understand that you're napping in front of people doing a meeting. Really? Yeah. Like seriously, but what if yeah, the person? So but what, what if the person? What if the jacket. person is the one who's involved in the meeting? How would you call that person out? You don't call out that person. You just, uh, I, you just. I would assume it. it's. I would assume it's not the organizer or the host who sleeps, right? It's just one of the attendees of the meeting. It's one of the attendees of the meeting. Yeah, but for example, there's a team of you know the big bosses of the contractor side, and maybe three out of the ten, there would be two, three who would be napping, and it's it's normal. It's really wow. normal. 
Wow. Yeah. And and the manager's not going to call them out. No, no, no one's going to call them out. Interesting. Yeah. I would love to be in that culture. Anyway, okay, interesting. It, it makes me so fascinated because if you would do that in Malaysia, Singapore, yeah. Philippines, Indonesia, yeah. I it's, think I think you can get fired. It's right. It's I think those, you can you can you can get fired. It's those things that you know, in some cultures, you could easily pass it as a cultural behavior, but in yeah. some cultures, it's strictly not allowable. So in yeah, any case, we have, we have already proven that work from home is an effective and productive way of living a better life. I think the next step is also to legitimize napping now in offices or like, Ooh, you know, three o'clock to four, three o'clock to four o'clock or three thirty to four o'clock, we should have a nap session as well. So, yeah, I mean, some offices have already there. Like, I remember when I was in GlaxoSmith client, again, the a pharmaceutical pods, company, right? we had sleeping pods and yeah. we really were able to sleep without any judgment from others. So there. So thank you for sharing your productivity techniques, your hacking techniques for getting things done faster, better, and cheaper. To our listeners, we would love to hear from you your own tips. So yeah, if you're seeing this from if you see this from a social media post, please don't hesitate to share your comments. And we hope to see you in the next episode. Bye guys. Bye. Bye.